0: Oh man, I need some synthesizer gear, but I don't know... I don't even know where to start looking. I don't
1: know where to go, where to find the stuff. I've got this livestream event coming up and I am just not prepared. I better get online and see what I can find.
0: What's this? Wait, what?
2: Patchworks.com. Go to patchwerk for all of your synthesizer needs. Not only do they carry modular gear, but they also have standalone synths, groove boxes, and semi-modular gear, and all of the required equipment to make them all talk to each other. They carry brands like Make Noise, Novation, Sequential Circuits, Akai, WMD, Recovery Effects, Schlappy Engineering, After Later Audio. AI synthesis, mystic circuits, Qubit, electron, and many, many more. For more information, please visit patchworks.com. P-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com. Welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and we have a great episode this week. We've got Snakes of Russia on the show. We're going to dive into his process, and uh, yeah, we have a really great chat. Um, There's lots of stuff to talk about in today's intro, Um, so I'll start with the last time that I'm going to tease you about this information. Next week, on next week's episode, Big Announcement coming from myself and After Later Audio, and I'm so very excited about this. Um, also, really excited about a couple new modules that have come out recently that have come across the old PodMod desk, so I figured I'd give you a little uh, little rundown of some of these before we get into today's chat. But before we do that, um, i got to apologize. I, I uploaded last week's episode uh, my loop region, in my DAW was set incorrectly, so my entire intro was lost. Um, I re uploaded the episode, but it was a couple days later, and most of you listen um, pretty early. So, for those of you that missed it, I talked about the Patreon, and um, I kind of, you know, I realized my wife pointed it out to me that I have been. Um, talking about all these ideas that I want to do with the Patreon, but I'm not being specific with you about what I want to do. So here's the deal. I know exactly what equipment I need to make PodMod, not only a audio podcast but a video podcast um so it'll live i'm hoping it will live on youtube and on the podcast players uh and this will just be so much better especially for module demos and especially for the bonus episodes on patreon where i do deep dives into modules uh last week's bonus episode i didn't do a deep dive but i kind of like just did a little uh I played a little something through a patch I made on the Zoya Euro Bureau, and I talked about some Zorks gear that I got, and I just think these will be much more entertaining once there's a video component. So if you would like to help, not only keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podmon, but you know, give it a boost. Let's take it to the next level. We're going on four years of the show. I think it's about time that it has a video component, and I don't want to just you know do this upload the Zoom recording, because that's, that just doesn't feel right to me. So if you support me on Patreon currently, thank you very much. And if you would like to get me going on this video gear, well then head on over to Patreon.com. I'm also, this was a great suggestion from a patron. I'm gonna let y'all know in the Patreon Champagne Room on Discord. I'm gonna let you know in advance who upcoming guests are to give you an opportunity to send me questions to ask them. So uh, that's that'll be pretty cool access to have. Um, so yeah, I think there would be a, f- a fun fun little interaction with you, me, and the guests all on sh- on an episode. So if that sounds at all entertaining to you, uh, you know, head on over patreon.com forward slash Modcast. In other news, uh, I am going to be a guest on the Deerhorn podcast. That is uh, Jay Ryan's podcast about, um, it's basically focused on Chiat Lombard instruments and uh, and the people that use them. And he actually sent me a plum butter to, to play with for about a month. And then we, we chatted about that and all sorts of stuff. So keep an eye out. Um that should be coming out this month, and just check out his podcast. It's it's a, it's another great modular podcast that scratches an itch that I just haven't really got into because I mean, with the only experience I've had with Chiat stuff, do we call it Chiat stuff? C L um, Peter Blasser Designs uh, is just when he sent me uh, the Plum Butter for a little bit, and um, it's 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 a weird thing, and we talk all about my experience with it and uh, and other stuff. It looks like y'all had some fun at KnobCon. I'm really bummed I couldn't make it out. Um, you know, Delta, all this stuff. Trying to buy a house too. God, uh, that's. I'm just going to stop there. You do not want to hear how boring that process is. If you are not boring, just arduous. Here, I just told you I was going to stop talking about it and I'm doing it. But for those of you who have bought a house or tried to, you know what I'm going through right now. And I live in Seattle, um, and we have a saying out here about houses. um, Them shit's expensive. Okay, you don't come here for my woes, you come here for synthesizer talk. So let's talk about some new synthesizers. I am so excited to be giving you the scoop. I think today is the release day of a new schlappy engineering product. It's called Boundary, and it is a CV source. And that's all I knew about it when it was being sent to me, and when I opened up the box... Of course, it looks amazing. Um, Eric spares no expense when creating extremely high-quality product. Um, It just looks and feels nice, a nice black aluminum plate, aluminum knobs. It's a dense, durable module. Um, Yeah, it's a multi-purpose modulation and signal control center consisting of a cycling slew and a four-quadrant multiplier. What does that mean? There's a lot of information in there. Well, let's let's review some of the functions here under the cycling slew f- functions almost said functions um, That'd be a cool name for a module function I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that more um, under cycling slew functions We have voltage controlled envelope modulation oscillator from below to above audio rate envelope following bouncing ball effect uh, frequency divider portamento and audio rate wave shaping Um that's just the cycling slew so there's basically two parts to this module and the other part is the 4q multiplier um, and its functions are vca ring mod or soft limiting to distortion uh so of course there's going to be a distortion aspect this is a schlappy engineering module but i was just so so excited to get something that was a primary primarily like a cv source from from eric's brain because I don't, if you've ever seen him perform, he is a master with modular synthesis and, um, obviously he's a master at engineering it as well. So I've only made one patch with this, but you're going to have to wait until next week to uh, see this patch in action because I'm saving it for a little something else. Um, but yeah, please head over to schlappyengineering.com to learn more about the boundary. I'm going to be talking about it a little bit more in the coming weeks, um, but I'm really excited about it, and you can bet your ass I'm going to be uh, doing a deep dive in it, uh, on it, in an upcoming Patreon bonus episode. I I've never said that. I never I never say that, and I just said you can bet your ass on because I want like what where did that come from? Do you guys say that?
1: You can bet your ass.
2: It seems so like. Like, it just seems like something John Wayne would say. I feel kind of gross for saying it, but I'm going to leave it because I am transparent, and I am who I am, and I'm giving you myself. I'm pouring my heart out on the ground for you because I love you, and you help, help me to keep this show going, and I love doing this show, so thank you. All right, let's talk about the Zoya Euro Bureau. This thing is super fun. Um, but first, I'm going to go find a cassette tape from my collection to play through this little Walkman that I'm going to play through the Zoya on... Uh, through a patch that I made called Sargoni Weaver so give me a second and of course I thought it would be uh, fitting I went over to my, my cassette rack and I saw my my Eric Schlappy uh, cassette collection I've got three of them so I figured I'd grab the first one I ever bought from him it's, uh, this is a song called The White Crow and if it's off of uh, the album "Kurald Emerlons but before I get into explaining this patch, um, just for those of you who may not know, I'm sure everybody knows what the Zoya is. Um, Zoya is a, and it's a guitar pedal basically. That is also a. It's it's actually not a guitar pedal. It's it's, it's like a very robust synth that's modular, really, because there's all these different modules inside of it that you can route to each other. Um, Anything that you can think of that you want to put in your rack is inside this. But the Zoya doesn't have any CV control, so that's why they made the Euro Bureau. So this is a modular version of the Zoya, so it, what's added to it is four CV outs, four CV ins. and... Uh, a stereo pair for in like injecting sound into it stereo outs a headphone jack and then there's midi as well my favorite part about the the euro bureau is that you can get a case for it so it actually can just be like a a standalone semi-modular synth so it can be like having a zoya you don't need to rack it up but it has the cv control so that's actually how i i currently use it um, because i have the strega And this, um, and then like my MPC, so I can keep a relatively small Euro rack setup, and just have this on hand as just really anything that I could need that I don't have in my rack. Like, oh shit, I forgot to add, um, you know, I wish I had an extra VCA. Well, I could make hundreds of VCA's on the Euro Bureau. Um, Yeah, so this, this, like, what's really cool about this, this case that it comes with, is there's a little adapter inside that you can switch uh, between 12-volt, you know, power that you just plug into the wall, or you can actually use a ribbon cable and put it in your rack. Um, I think I've been, like, kind of going back and forth on how I think I should, I, I would want to, like, try to pitch this to somebody. Do I Would would I want to pitch this to a beginner or somebody who's, who's, you know, in the middle or somebody who's really, really, uh, you know, experienced as a synthesis? And I think it really could it could scratch itches for everybody um from from beginner to uh, experience and i think as far as beginners go be a great way to get into the idea of modular um and it's also good even though it is rather large hp wise i think it would be very good to have if you only have a small setup because there's so much stuff inside of it so there's, there's a, kind of my little, my little pitch on it, or spiel, I would say. That's, that's the spiel. Um, but let's talk about what we just heard, because if, you, if you've never heard that song before that I just played through the cassette player through it, then you, it'd be hard to um, you know, know what, what's what. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a field recorder, and I'm going to take the output of this field recorder, and I'm going to put it through the Sargoni Weaver patch on the Euro Bureau and give you a little taste of what's going on. And I'm just going to talk into it. So I'm going to turn off this microphone and start talking to this microphone. Check one, two. Hello, hello, hello. hello. I'm messing with some
0: of them. them.
2: Okay, so let me find a little something more interesting to put through there. I just wanted to give you a little taste. Just turning the volume up on the field recorder sounds kind of cool through it. So this is just a little kalimba thumb piano I'm playing through uh, the 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 Zoom field recorder into the Euro Bureau. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about it and uh, play at the same time. Let's just listen to this for a moment and then I'm gonna get something to kind of drone into it while I explain what this patch is. Okay, so what this is now is just the... uh, (laughs) And now my voice is going to get picked up on it because I had to move some stuff around, um, which is kind of fun. Uh, This is the organelle going into it now. Uh, This is a little Jenny. It's called Jenny One. It's it's a really nice little um, synth. You just put a little latched arpeggiator on and switch chords every so often. But what this patch is is basically I've got two audio inputs, right? Um, They're both going through a diffuser. So that's just kind of changing the incoming sound because I don't want to take... You know my big thing lately, if you listen to the show and and watch my YouTube videos, my big thing lately is processing external sounds and doing a lot of um, just like granular effects and smearing. So I wanted to make sure that what I was doing with this patch was quite a bit different than what I do with the... um, the r bar which is just taking the actual real sounds from the surrounding area in through its external mic so i ran it through this diffuser effect first and then i ran the output of this diffuser through two of this like so the left channel basically is going into one granular um effect on the euro bureau and the right channel is going to another uh, granular effect so they're the the same effect but they're um they're set up totally differently and then each output from that I am routing into um, uh, its own delay with modulation effect so again I've stacked two of the same effect but did totally different parameters on each one so you can hear the left and right quite a bit quite a bit different um, so one I have pitched down 50% and one uh, the granular I have pitched down 50% and one um, at its regular uh, pitch so if I Want well, to speed one of those up? So now I've got one pitched up a hundred percent, and one pitched down fifty percent. So I could even pitch that left one down even lower. It gets so low you can't even really hear it. <laughs> you can kind of hear it coming back up. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds better at fifty because, especially with something like this, um, it's just um, staying in tune with itself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring these parameters down a little bit on the Jenny one, um, and so yeah, with this delay with modulation, um, <laughs> you know, different modul- different mod mod uh, rates and different. Uh, depths of the modulation on each one, different feedback times on the delay, um, and then what else? What, what I really like about this patch, and what I uh, was just super excited about um, having the the ability to do, is you know how much I like to use CV. To shape my, my effects processing, but I like my CV to be kind of in sync with what's happening and are happening around. Um, so in this case, a uh, you know an arpeggiated chord. But a lot of the time, I like to bring stuff out into nature. So if it's the wind or clicks and clacks from some sort of you know chain on the side of a ferry or something, I want those sounds to be able to trigger modulation. Um, so what I've done is I've set up envelope followers on the two inputs, um, that then trigger an LFO, uh, and, and a a slew, and then, um, a couple envelopes. And then I have those routed out through the, the four CV outs. So I could actually route, I could use this, um, this arpeggiated cord here to control stuff inside my modular rig and then i've got the cv ends set to control all the different parameters that i was moving around on the granular and delay with modulation effects so you could kind of like you can send and receive to your rack with the uh with the euro bureau here which i think is i don't know that, that might be my favorite aspect of it it's hard to say um there's also a freeze on the, uh, the granular, so that's pretty cool. I'm messing with the granular pitch again so you can hear it. But yeah, each granular effect has six different parameters. Um, and this is just the surface of this thing. There are, I mean, everybody knows that Empress is known for their reverbs. So there's a, a whole bunch of amazing reverbs. You could use this as just your effects. Uh, box, which I think is pretty something that I would I find myself doing, uh, or I could see myself doing in the future, is stripping a lot of the effects from my rack down because I like to keep it somewhat small and manageable, and just using this for uh, effects, or VCA's, a bank of VCA's, or a bank of envelopes, or bank of LFO's, like anything that you feel like you're lacking in your case, or you don't want to take up that much room in your case with, you can use this nice little box for it so yeah um one more thing about this is it would help me and it would help empress out a lot actually if you end up picking one of these up because you hear about it on this show there's a warranty card and on that warranty card it says if you heard where did you hear about this then put podular modcast tell them i sent you and if you've already picked one up um and you've already filled out the warranty card uh well, I guess that wouldn't be fair, but I guess if you, if you don't want to do that, you could tag tag me and an Empress in a in an Instagram post or something. But it just it helps them with their you know their business side, and it would it would help me to uh, keep keep being able to get cool stuff to talk to you guys about. So check out the Euro Bureau. Really excited about it. Or Joseph or Joe Joseph Joseph okay mm-hmm. Joseph it's funny I was uh I was before we were uh you know in preparation I always like to listen to people's music quite sure. a bit before I chat with them or or check out whatever it is that I want to talk to them about you know mm-hmm. and uh after going through it I'm like this person's name isn't snakes of Russia. And I was like, <laughs> wow. I was like, there's gotta be some, some liner notes. And so I had to, right. I had to go on band camp and be like, ah, oh, his name's Joseph. Okay, cool. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny yeah. to like, to like have people that you've, you know, we, we haven't interacted a whole lot, but you know, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've been, I like, I listen to your music and I see your cool. posts all the time on Instagram yep. and stuff. So it's funny. I've like got the face and the music all, It's just such a weird thing to like have the name come last, like if somebody's first name come (laughs) last, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I get
1: that. I get, yeah, yeah. It's it's, some people, they some people actually, when they write me, they're like, hey, snakes. That's
2: That's a pretty sweet, I mean, if I was going to pick a name, snakes would be on the list, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, you can, it's not, yeah, I guess that's true. I I could just go down to the courthouse, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, you know. So I, I don't know how I became aware of your stuff. I You know how it is with the Instagram yeah. stuff. Like it, it just, you know, popped up, somebody tagged you or something, and I started mm-hmm. listening to your music, and I was just, you know, it stands apart from a lot of stuff. You know, oh, there's a thanks, lot of man. people out there making electronic music, and I think you definitely have your own, your own idiosyncratic sound. Um, so I want to
1: talk about the journey to get there.
2: Um, yeah. Sure. So where did you grow up to start with?
1: I grew up in uh, New Jersey. Um, I was born in New York City, and I grew up in New Jersey about an hour in between New York and Philadelphia. So I was what? like right smack dab.
2: Okay, what town?
1: A town called Freehold, where Bruce Springsteen is also from. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: I was just in uh, Mount Holly or Maholly. Okay. Did you ever go oh, Yeah, go that, there?
1: That would be like about an hour north of where I grew up.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I was just out there not too long ago. And um, unfortunately, I think New Jersey gets a bad rap. I think people, people think of it as kind of Atlantic City and, and Trenton or whatever. And, and Newark is just in the mob or something. But once you go inward or down on down the shore, it's pretty nice.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, most of what people see of New Jersey is like the trip from Newark Airport to Manhattan, which Uh is kind of not a great part of New Jersey, right? Yeah. But um, it's you know, but yeah, it's if you drive thirty minutes or thirty miles or in in any other direction, it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a great place to grow up because I was like I could be in the city in an hour, and and then more importantly, I could also leave, and Mm -hmm. that was a very At the time, you know, I was like, oh, it'd be great if I lived here because then I could just be. But it was good having that kind of removal if I wanted to. And I didn't, you know, I didn't get jaded or or... it it, it was a good place to grow. It was a great place to grow up. I mean, Mm -hmm. granted, like I was couldn't get out of there any faster. Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But but (laughs) but it was but I look back now and I'm just, you know, uh, it, it, it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. yeah, I
2: I have a similar feeling about where I grew up and I was just talking to uh Nakvi from that I, Don I, and But I Lee. just listened. I yeah. love that record. That record
1: yeah. Dysnomia is unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's one of my favorite pieces of music. Um yeah.
2: it's if you, I wish I could go back to like the time where I discovered that and uh when I saw them live for the first time, you know, like 5 or 6 years ago and be like, "Hey, you're not only going to have a conversation with Qasem, but he's going to like hit you up for advice on modules afterwards. Like me and him have wow, been going yeah. back. He's like, "Hey, what do you think of this module?" and it's like he's just, you know, like he's just a really cool guy and it's uh it's just kind of surreal, you know. It's great. Um, yeah. But yeah, we were talking about his his uh experience of growing up like being close enough to a city to have kind of the the boons of both the yeah. the um the appreciation for a slower-paced life and the nature and, you know, I feel like exactly. smaller towns like I, I grew up with the, I mean, we all went to the same, we all went to school K through 12 together. Most of us, you know, wow. I have friends that I, you know, still to this day that I met before I even started grade school. Wow. Um, but so I think, I think smaller towns tend to foster those long longer term relationships. I don't know. Did you find that? Or were you in a, was your town small? or
1: Well, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it small. It was like, I mean my my graduating class was like three hundred and something kids. Okay, okay so it was like by no means small it, it was very just the kind of middle class um most people if they like they their parents would work in in the city maybe or or be professionals around our area. Um, so it was pretty like I, I wouldn't consider where I was from small, but it was maybe small minded but um, <laughs> but it was it was um it was it, it was big enough. But okay. small enough for me to want to figure out what else is out there. Yeah. And I think that's also a key thing, too, is that if I grew up in a place like New York City or or, um, or Philadelphia, I would have everything just kind of within my grasp. But, like, having to... And this would be pre-internet. So, like, having to, like find things and go and like, like Doc Martens are a great example. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, we could both get Doc Martens like on our phones right now while we are on this call, we could order them. They could be delivered Uh tomorrow. Yeah. But like, at the time like it was i heard there's a store on 8th street i think it was in manhattan that's all shoe stores and they have all doc martens uh-huh. and it was like i can't we don't know for sure until we go so we right. had to, like my, my friend's car my friend's car we you know we, we we just drove up there and sure enough there were the blue docks and then mm-hmm. coming back with a pair, a pair of blue doc martens yeah yeah and just being like <laughs> the envy of every dude in in <laughs> high school that in high school that wanted blue dog martins cause right. like, where did you get those like that kind of thing it w- was like if i had grown up in the city it wouldn't have been that big of a deal but i have to find that like literally find it and um it was such a that was a great experience yeah and, and i think that kind of you know is like the small town versus medium-sized town thing yeah
2: you know? yeah i think i've that's something the 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 essence of that has come up quite a bit. I feel like in, in the talks that I've done on this yep. show, um, and it's something that I think about a lot and, and I don't, I'm trying to find a way to, to talk about it without being overly nostalgic or like kind of complaining, being the old guy complaining, like yes. "Well, back in my day, but there, <laughs> right. there is, I guess you have to kind of go searching for the things that you have to search for these days. Yeah.
0: absolutely. So that's
2: kind of the search now, which is something that, you know like when i was going out to new jersey or going to new york and when we were in philadelphia while i was out there it was like i want to find the cool record shops and then i want to ask those people like what can i only get here you yep. know but of course i can get it on Bandcamp. but like i yeah. want to discover it through the guy behind the counter saying hey you should check this out so that's yeah. like yes. the new version of that um
1: well that was i feel like that was the only way we would we would yeah totally know about stuff there was a store um that I grew up going to called Princeton Record Exchange, which was about 30 miles from where um, I grew up. And it was the place that that I would go, and I would ask the guy behind the counter, and be like, all right, what record should I get? Because uh-huh. I like this, and I like this. And we'd go there on field trips, because it's right next to Princeton University. So we'd go on field trips, and I would just couldn't, I didn't care about the field trip, I just wanted to go to the, the Princeton Record yeah. Exchange. <laughs> so I'd go, and I'd ask, and I'd ask them, um, what what should I get? Like you know, because it was always the coolest college kids that were working there, mm-hmm. um, and and they would have the best recommendations. I mean, that's how we would find out about records back then. Yeah, and some would be on the money, like, and some would suck. You know, but it yeah. was just like that that you know that that thing, man. You in Seattle? You guys have that one record store. Um, what's it called? Um, I we have, always f- find we have Easy
2: Street, and we have Sonic Boom, and we have Wall Boom. of Sound, Sonic Boom. Yeah, Sonic that Boom store. is one of my favorites. Yeah,
1: dude, it's. I feel like somebody goes in there every couple of years and just dumps their '90s record collection <laughs> because <laughs> I always find like because the records I like to buy, like I like, I, I dig vinyl a lot, but I like, I like um, the records I like are just kind of. Um, like not like old soul records. I'm not like sampling from them, just like some old stuff that I remember that I'm like, Oh, this record. Mm-hmm. And that store is always so good for that stuff. <laughs> I love that shop. That shop yeah. is amazing.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. it's got great selection. It's, uh, it's got a really good soundtrack. The electronics selection's not too bad. Yeah. Um, there's the, I think they have a pretty good curator in there.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree.
2: And yeah there's something to be said I, I i love I love that level of like attention to detail as far as curation goes, whether it is a synth shop or i mean sure. a, a record shop or a, or even a synth shop or, or like a um, a record label or anything like yeah. that you know it's um,
1: important.
2: yeah for sure and i'm yeah, I'm yeah. happy to see that the new model of media consumption hasn't completely killed it you know like I think bandcamp has done a lot. To, yeah to keep it going with allowing small labels like i ha- I technically have a label, but you know right. I release like three things on it a year or something you know? <laughs> right right right, yeah, yeah,
1: you know, I was thinking about this the the term curator in in recently because like theoretically right, there's no more gatekeepers like anybody anybody could make a record today and release it tonight and then in like a week it could be the next big thing and i think that is amazing i think that is just like i i don't i don't wax nostalgic in terms of like it sucked having to go through eight million gatekeepers to get your music out into the world um but i think what's important and what we're talking about here and and still is in existence is curators because curators are are not as much they're they're like gatekeepers, but maybe a different it's a but i think it's important is what i'm trying to say because it's kind of like yeah, they make sure I, that you know you're listening to the dope shit you know absolutely
2: yeah and and so that that's what kind of drew me into wanting to do a record label and then eventually a podcast is you know not cool. only did i want to like learn about this format of your rack but you know now three over three years in, it's more like, I want to talk to the people that do things that I'm interested in and hopefully spread the word and other people will think it's cool, you know? Awesome. And yeah. I think that's, that's very fulfilling actually. It's, um, I, th- I, originally thought I would be able to like boost my own music from it, right. but I have, mm-hmm. I've haven't made as much music as I'd had Thought I would doing this because, because, because I of it. I spent a lot of time doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's still man. fulfilling, you know. Yeah. It's it's so that's yeah. not a complaint. But it uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I think the 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 cure, and, and that's why. Like, if I find a cool record label, like when I was in Brooklyn, I found this record label called um, Almost Ready Records, but it's also a record shop. So um, they do all these like re re uh, reissues of these like really old punk rock not really old late 70s 80s punk rock stuff and just stuff that never really saw the light of day they like take the time to find this and then repress it and uh, that's great so i just bought like a stack of tapes from them and i like i like everything that they've done you know so it's like that that kind of stuff excites me um but we're veering wildly off track i love i love getting i love having these conversations but i have to remind myself like we're here to talk about snakes of russia yeah um yeah so i'm curious like did you did you go the guitar route and then get into electronic music or were you into like the programming side? How did you find yourself well where did your musical journey start i guess as a musician
1: um really drums i i uh, okay. I, I i w i've been into music um f- since I was you know like in really young like i got into music at can a you really remember young
2: age. like any like i have like two or three memories of like particular mm-hmm. songs from very young where like, it's one of the only memories from those years of life. And I'm always trying to mine for that from other people. Do you have anything as embarrassing as it might be? I mean, mine, some of mine are like Garth Brooks or, you know, but like, like some like a moment where you just like music, you, you learned how uh, exhilarating and thrilling music could be just from like a song or a particular artist or anything.
1: I've got so many, man. I mean, it's just been like the, the, um, it's been such a huge part of my life. Um, you know, I remember like my first record, um, and then, you know, or tape at the time, mm-hmm. but then I also remember like my first record. But I think that, I, I think so, like Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. um, was just like hearing those songs as a kid. And like, I mean, cause he was everywhere when Thriller yeah. came out. And it yeah. was kind of like, so I remember the the video for Thriller. Which yeah. At the yeah. time was just so unbelievably groundbreaking. And, and I was really into like, um, Werewolf movies. At the time. Okay, so that <laughs> so, was perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it it kind of tied everything together, and I think that was kind of like a good, like that you know, and all that kind of pop stuff that came out around that time, like Prince and everything, like when Purple Rain came out, and you mm-hmm. know, um, it, it was it, it just it left such an impression on me because it was just kind of like you know I love. I love music because of it. It got me really into music. Yeah. This is
2: not to jump ahead, but it's just something I want to put a pin in is Mm -hmm. something about, especially like that era of Michael Jackson and just Prince in general. Like this is, this is like, it's kind of like a a cross. It's, it's like a a crossroads of super good production, super good songwriting. Yeah. um, And just like, there's a grandiosity, like a, like a like a bigness to it, mm-hmm. like a almost like a. I hate to use the word epic, but like, yeah, you know there there is like something big and pr- like it's a production, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was something that I was noticing about your stuff even this morning as I was listening to it. It's all very like, it's big. It's blo- oh, cool. It's like very big. So I, so it seems I'm I'm wondering if that's if that's like deeply seated in there.
1: I think <laughs> I think so because like I so I so. I mean to con- to con- I think if I continue the story and go down that hole, it might yeah. answer this question that you had. It was yeah, you know. So it was Michael Jack, right? So so all those early pop records were were just kind of like really big, and then I would listen to them in the car with my parents and stuff. And then right around like then I got into heavy metal, mm-hmm. um, or mm-hmm. actually I'm sorry, Beastie Boys. Okay, and then <laughs> and then heavy metal. Um, and I think like getting into heavy metal when you're a kid it just makes you like a rabid music fan because you care about everything about yeah. that band. And, and, and so I would read liner notes and I would get really into like, Oh, who produced this? Who mixed it? And then, and, me too, and they were, yeah they were, yeah, they were so important. Liner notes were so crucial. Like, um, so and that kind of got me into, um, all different types of music Um from there. Um, you know discovering faith no more and then having which i did completely blindly just going into the the record store and flipping over the cd and being like oh these guys look cool because uh-huh. <laughs> that's the way we used to you yeah know? totally I couldn't totally. hear it yeah and then and then i got that record and then, and then that opened up like every everything kind of opened up from there and then getting a nine inch nails record and then like that just that was probably the record that like like holy shit! This guy made this with electric, like with machines, like and then and then being obsessed with samplers, and then because of that, getting into like hip hop because of the the sampling aspect aspect of it, and then just I would just buy records if there was a guy in the band that played <laughs> sampler, like um, which led to some really cool records like Cop Shoe Cop and Soul Coughing, and just these these guys that were like in the band playing using the sampler as an instrument so that became really important the the um the sampler as an instrument to Mm -hmm. me and then and then um that kind of opened up a whole um realm of 90s electronic music uh, Mm -hmm. to me and uh, at the same time i was still doing bands and i was starting to get into producing the bands that i was in and like and at this time I still I didn't have a studio yet because I was still so young but I would I would get in the studio with these engineers and I would I would you know be be no, I want to try this I want to do this and it was all crazy shit like putting mics in weird places and like what happens if we put the mic in the oven and then close the oven, Uh, you know, uh not with it on, you know, and Uh then, um, you know, but just, just weird experimentation. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that. And then that kind of opened up to records like Sonic Youth and, and um, just wildly experimental, um, you know, bands who use the studio as instrument kind of bands and and those kind Mm -hmm. of records. And then in the nineties, there was just so many of those awesome, you know, like, guitar rock records that so it was kind of this whole i would production was a thing like early on like it was like yeah i want to do i want to play in bands but like producing those records and making records that sound like these other records that i love that was always a very very important thing to me and um and that might answer your question where like uh, like it's yeah, I mean, I had this idea, this aesthetic in my head of of every musical project I've done mm-hmm. so far from the from the get go of like it needs to sound like this in the end. So yeah, it's kind of like let's take it from A to B, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like maybe what my my hidden talent is is kind of like getting yeah. things you know to sound. Yeah, like I it. would
2: I would say that whole kind of that whole chronology you just gave Gabe if yeah. you put it in a blender. Yeah. And you know, poured it in a glass and drank it. It would taste a lot like what you're what you're making. And right. and I think the word I was looking for when I brought up like that early, early seed planted by Prince and and Michael Jackson that I really get mm-hmm. from your from your stuff. And it's very dramatic.
0: Oh, cool!
1: Like yeah.
2: I, I feel like 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 this. Like I was I was assembling some modules this morning, uh-huh. listening to your stuff, and I was just getting into it. You know, like usually I listen to podcasts and, you know, I'm kind of half brain listening to the podcast Mm -hmm. and just kind of like mindlessly doing this, but like, you know, like you get the right, the right task and the right music. Like, I I feel like your music would be great for, you know, riding a bike or going like for like a brisk walk, you know, it's like, I feel like it kind of inspirational. And it also makes a lot of sense that production came into like it became something you were interested in early on because yeah. that's that's one of the things that stands out the most to me is like as a as a musician listening to mm-hmm. your music mm-hmm. is how how it's produced and so oh. i do want to talk about your process and you know sure. live versus studio if there is a difference multi-tracking versus live taking you know, how how much how much prep how much mental preparation goes on like do you know what you're making or do you like i, I just kind of want to know everything about cool. your process yeah yeah. Um, yeah. the tools um, you're using and everything and i know i just gave you like a million paths <laughs> to go down but
1: right you can right. you can
2: choose whichever one sounded the most interesting
1: i mean i think they're kind of all related in the way so i i think chronologically i i you know we were talking about me starting you know eventually i i started making my own records. So so basically um I was in bands and I did bands for years and they were um and at the same time I still I still made electronic music not to the degree that I make it today but just I it was always I I have the same sampler behind me that that I bought back in high school. Like it's it's it was mm-hmm. always there and everything I ever did I tried to like put a little bit of that stamp in there even um and then at the same time, I started making records for other people. And um, and then eventually that kind of got into me writing with other people and uh, leading to, you know, working on a lot of stuff that ends up in like film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always had this visual component to everything that I like to do like i like to think like visuals are so important to me aesthetic is 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 really really crucial to me to to be able to close your eyes when you're listening to something and be like okay what what do not even i picture at this point like because after i make it 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 doesn't belong to me anymore it belongs to the listener right and whatever Mm -hmm. like to think that they can close their eyes and picture something that's awesome to me and that's kind of like what i like to um i don't know like uh What's the word I'm looking for? Like I I like to nurture and Mm -hmm. and that kind of feeling. So it's awesome to hear that that gets you know that you're that you get that from the music because that you know that means a lot. And yeah, um,
2: very evocative, definitely
1: cool. And and I think so after just making other people's records for a while and then figuring it out like what what it is that I wanted to do for my own stuff because I'm I, I spent a long few years like co-writing with a lot of people and making a lot of music but none of it was my own and and it was it was it's kind of it got to a point where i'm just like i have to make some of my own stuff and um and i i you know it took me forever to find out what that what i wanted that to be because again i had this kind of like idea in my head of of what the end product would sound like and um eventually i ended up here doing this stuff that i'm you know uh, that i'm making right now and, and I love it. And I think that I, my, my point maybe, not to talk in circles, but my point maybe is like all of that making, um, all the music I was making, you know, to get me up to this point kind of instilled this way of working that I apply when I sit down to make this stuff. Totally. And,
2: yeah. There's no yeah. way that like all that work for other people was just basically almost like an apprenticeship of sharpening yep. of skills you know a training ground for this production absolutely. side you absolutely
1: know? absolutely and i would say the most important thing that i took from that um is just finishing things like yeah just being able to finish anything <laughs> because i know it's like it, it's it's so like i get the struggle like of finishing stuff like it's, yeah. it's it's a big thing and i know a lot of people in our community and just friends and 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 every most artists that i know regard if you're a painter or a musician just finishing stuff is like a really really challenging thing and it's not you know it's a real thing um mm-hmm. so i think being able to um w- like being able to just get that um i don't know if it's a skill but get that um part of the process really honed in in yeah. a, few, a few years of... Discipline, know. right? Yeah, a, that's dis- the word. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have mm-hmm. to,
2: like, I'm going to set aside this amount of time and then set up goals, you know? This is what yeah. I want to get accomplished in this amount of time. And sometimes you don't want to do any of it. And I just think... I think it's just, yeah, finding the time between your personal life, your professional life, and then your creative life, you know? Like, a lot of people, yeah. you have you have to, like almost put it on a calendar you know <laughs> yeah well I,
1: I need to I 100% need to for me it's deadlines are are really important so um I would say like in terms of the process um it would almost kind of like um to, to kind of break it down it would be like so I I write every day I, I write I I you know sketch stuff out every single day and some of those end up as um the Instagram stuff I put up mm-hmm. um and, um, most of them go into a folder and they just kind of, you know, they're, I, they're by date. I put them by date and then, um, I'll go back in maybe every month and I'll go through and listen to them again. Um, and then those I'll put into another folder that is, uh, shared with my phone so I can go and I can listen to those kind of mm-hmm. when I'm taking walks and stuff. Yeah. And then, and then I, I just narrow that down and I say like, um, you know okay out of these out of these 30 things I like these 8 and then and then out of these 8 I like two you know i, I like every the, the key is i think is just showing up just just mm-hmm. do it every day and um it's 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 most of it's going to suck really i mean you know um and and you just kind of pick out the good bits um and uh and then those i kind of refine and then from that point it goes to what we're talking about where I make a deadline and for me, um, I, am a big believer in mastering. So, um, it's, um, I make a mastering deadline at that point. Mm -hmm. And, and then I'm like, okay, is this a, is this how many songs is this an EP? Is this a single, is this two songs? And then I just kind of work backwards from that, from that deadline. And, um, and, and that really is the way that it works for me as far as time management. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, as far as getting things done and, and finished, it's that kind of process of of going in every day. And just like that could just be like I spend one day with just a module that I haven't used in a while. Or I can spend one day with a piece of software I haven't used in a while. And something will come out of it because I'll take maybe maybe it's not a track or a song. Maybe it's just like kind of a, a cool sound design element or, yeah. you know, a kick drum or something. Um, but I think it's important to be organized about that process and the, and how you save things and kind of, you know, yeah, I agree. I agree. from Your yes. intent
2: going into each session yeah. and everything. Well, you just totally answered my question of how you seem to remain pretty prolific. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, you, how many, you released what four, four or five EPs in last year or something like that. Yeah, I
1: think. Yeah, just like a pretty yeah, yeah. I mean, smaller like a one proper EP and then a, a few smaller things. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that's good like especially it's it's hard to find and I'm curious to hear what you think about this, but something that I struggle with as somebody creating music is who why am I doing it? Who is it for? What it, what do I expect to get out of something that I release into the world? And and it's it, it depending on how you answer those questions, the modern climate can be kind of um kind of daunting and to put it in a very dramatic term, soul crushing because like yeah. you spend all this time on this stuff and you want people to listen to it. And so like in today's age, it seems like there a lot of people are doing singles or EPs, they're smaller, you're not asking of as much of somebody because of the because of the amount of content out there. Asking sub- for somebody's undivided attention for an hour is, yeah. a bi- is a big ask, you know? Yeah, totally. And there's a million people out there asking for that same hour of these yeah. uh, people, you know? Yeah. Um, so is, does that play into why you kind of release things in smaller chunks like EPs or is it more like, you see these things as standing alone as, um, a snapshot in time or
1: something? It's a great question. Um, and I think the answer might um, might be both because I, I I do agree with what you're saying that I think that um, the way people consume anything now, mm-hmm. um, especially music, is um, is in smaller doses, you know, yeah. um, and not everybody, but but mo- I would say most people, um, and and so for me to I I think it it made sense for me to release like one or two songs at a time i think i think that you know just to kind of get people into what i'm doing at the same time i love records and i love being on the journey and and i'm one of those people that like but i think it's like it's like i take myself as an example because i think of myself as like um like i'm a pretty rabid music fan so it's like well how do i like digest music from somebody mm-hmm. that i find so I'll listen to one song and I'll be like oh this is great and then if I like that then I want to listen to an entire record right. so right so I think about that and I think that is really important so um, but then I do think if it's like of seven songs then those songs are going to exist as of as a body of a little body of work mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. whereas like a smaller three-song EP yes those are those belong together as three songs and um, and then the the one song singles is more for just uh, you know I I, I want to be consistent in in, yeah. in putting stuff out and and I mean I, I don't know if even if I had the like if I would put out like an an LP every six months like I don't know if that you know I mean that would just be so exhausting yeah um, totally in every in every way, in every way. <laughs> um, you know so I I think I think that uh, I like this. All of this said, um, I've been trying to, like, start an LP <laughs> for I, – I, my, my New Year's resolution um, was, uh, was okay, just clearing the schedule. We're going to do the LP, and that was – and what is it? It's August. Yeah. So it's, it's – <laughs> you know, um, and, and to be fair, it's kind of like I, I like to work in a way that, like, I like to – uh, not have much else on my plate and mm-hmm. i like to be like okay i got all of this other work stuff done um and and i got this remix done and mixed this record and, and like i have all that done so now i can just focus on doing this lp every day for like three months mm-hmm. and so i've just been kind of waiting for that moment yeah. but at totally. the same time yeah. at the same time i've been i've just been sketching every every day on stuff and putting stuff into a folder that's like yeah this could be cool but um that LP would for me would need to feel like a cohesive amount of songs. Yeah. So, I'm the same i the same right. way when it comes to that. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: So, yeah, it's funny. I have I have an idea. Well, so it's not even an idea. And I wanna see take take with this what I take from this what I say um, sure. and just kind of I want to see how if you think of things in a similar way or sure. how you think about it differently but for me if, even before I got into modular I had this mm-hmm. this idea of, of my next full length album and it, it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even an idea so much as it is like a, a feeling like there's a right it's it's something there's a seed something, somewhere in there and it and it kind of there's been a, a a kernel of it that hasn't changed in three years but I haven't tried to write it yet. And I don't know anyway. if I'm like still figuring out what it is or if I'm just too afraid that I can't make it happen. Cause I've taken attempts multiple times over the years since this idea and I've gotten close, but I haven't quite reached it. So I've never followed through and finished anything. I've always kind of like put my work into other little projects or or just different projects. Um, But for me, it's very important for an album. If I'm going to ask somebody for 45 to an hour of their time, it's very important for me to have, a statement piece, you know, but then, you know, I think about what I was talking about earlier is just like cutting through the noise and like, who's going to listen to it. Do I want to pour my heart and soul and all my creative energy into something for probably a year to get a hundred people to listen to it once, you know, and then it's
1: right. Yeah. But
2: I would have enjoyed the experience. And if I made something I was really proud of, like, what is that worth to me if no one listens to it? And that's, that's a serious question. It is to my, I think, um so yeah do, do you does that ring any bells of how you approach like pieces of work or or how you is it that antithesis yeah. of what you I think do everybody <laughs>
1: everybody does like every yeah. artist must go through that feeling I mean in the past like um I, I was there was a time that I was just completely the opposite and not productive at all because I was just um I had this grandiose idea for a record or for a band or for a project and and I know I had the means, like I could do it, but for some reason I just I just I didn't do it and, and I have to like I had to kind of like force myself through th- ridiculous ways of, of just of just trying to do this. And a lot of that would be like, you know, when you when you start a band, you have accountability or you start you have a project with another person, there's accountability of getting stuff done and mm-hmm. and schedules and shows and stuff. But when you're doing stuff yourself, it's all on you. Totally. So, um, yeah. And that whole feeling, um I had that that whole thing that you just described probably right before I started this project. Was like um uh I I had done something right before this where I, I put I put a lot of emotional energy and and physical and actual energy into in into what I thought was the music I wanted to make. And, um, and then on the eve of like putting it out into the world, like I asked myself the exact same questions that you just said. I'm like, what, what happens if no one listens to it? Like what happens if, if, if it just like, like, am I going, am I going to feel like, like fulfilled just because I made it? Or do Mm -hmm. I want somebody, you know, like, like, and then it's like, well, why then do I just take it? Why didn't I just keep it on my hard drive? You know. So it's like all these questions, and and it ultimately led me to, um, it was it was awful. So like that feeling, yeah, that was a very recent feeling, and and in almost um, this this project, you know, the snakes of Russia is kind of like my my almost knee jerk reaction to that process of like, you know what, I'm just gonna make the stuff that I want to make. And just put it out into the world and if 10 people dig it then then that's cool too and Mm -hmm. and that was like almost almost two years ago and thankfully like completely i'm just so grateful that like people give a shit about it um Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that feeling that you described was was absolutely very accurate and in a lot of ways helped me get to this point here because i'm just like you know what i'm just gonna make this shit for myself because it's the music that i would want to listen to and um And if, if, if one person a day listens to it, that's cool with me, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm, like I said, I'm very appreciative of, of of all, you know, of any feedback that I get that, you know, that, that the stuff I'm making moves people like that's amazing. And, um, and, and, and it kind of, but it didn't make. You know, it it made all of uh, like it put all that other stuff into perspective because right, all of that totally. all of that stuff got got me here and now yeah. when I approach like and now like it almost sounds like a cop out because I just give excuses why I haven't started working on an LP but like, <laughs> but like but like but like I like legitimately like it's like you know I you know but it's not motivated by fear. It's 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 more just like holy shit I gotta just find a time to to make this because yeah, I've been totally. I've been doing all all these other things and mm-hmm. um you know and stuff that I love to do like making sample packs and stuff but like you know I I and and there's no reason why I can't just kind of like compartmentalize stuff and work on two things at the same time but I don't I I want you know. I want to go all in and and I yeah. want to just kind of you know because I, I I work fast and I know that you know if I have ideas in my head like the I the idea to fruition it doesn't take that long mm-hmm. but I just need to go all in on it and yeah. I think that's kind the same of, way right
2: yeah with this kind of this like this this uh idea that they're this kernel album that I'm talking about is I, I think part of part of the thing is like what I keep waiting for a time where I can like justify getting an Airbnb for myself for the week and just bringing all the stuff out and just being like, I'm going here to do this. But it's like, that's really expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a lot of time. And I really like traveling with my wife and we only get to do that like maybe two weeks a year. So am I going to, I can't make one of the weeks like, sorry, babe, stay home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it's just like, it's, it's funny how often life like literally just like, oh yeah, you can't. You can't do that. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think
2: I, I think a discipline of carving out a little bit of time here and there, and maybe not fantasizing it like, like I'm just like putting it up on this weird pedestal or
1: something. Yeah, you know? no, I mean I think we've all been there, man. Like, um, here's a good example of like of like I'm gonna finish that record when I get this piece of gear. Oh, t- right. Like that <laughs> that whole trap. That trap is just is just um, getting into that. Like or or let me rephrase it to. I need blank so that I can finish Ex- that. Yeah, that's yeah. I have um, fallen
2: into that trap many times.
1: Yeah, we all have. And yeah. uh, and um and I think that like like I love gear, man. It inspires me and getting a new piece of gear like I get to the point where like I don't learn stuff fully because like 10 minutes through and I'm like, "Oh, this would make a good track." And I start recording. I'm the same then, way. Yeah. Right. And I think that's more important to me than, than kind of, you know, because you can always go back in and do a deep dive on, on something. But, um, I think that feeling of, 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 of putting stuff off because of the, of the gear is a, is a fun, it's funny, but it's, um, Mm -hmm. it's real. It's real. I mean, we've all done it, you know, I I need, um, you know, I need this thing or this plugin or, or whatever. And, um, you know, maybe we do, or or maybe we can just you know kind of know the gear that we have and and make yeah. sure of what we have.
2: Well, not to get like too like wooey or 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 deep into it, but really like I need this piece piece of gear in order to finish this is is the same thing as like I will start eating healthy when this you know like Mon- like Monday. we make <laughs> well yeah on Monday like that's <laughs> yeah. it's week you know like all these bargain like people like I I'm bargaining with yourself to as a, as a procrastination method to make any sort of positive change that you know, you want, like, it's funny. Sometimes I'm like, think like, I know exactly what I need to do. I know exactly what I need to do. I wake up at this time. I put this many hours into, you know, and then I, but I don't do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know, man. I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. This struggle is real. Uh Um, a great example would be I started running recently and I hate Uh it. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. It gives me anxiety the night before to to start to do it. Uh But I, as soon as I start and a minute in, I'm like, I'm so glad I'm doing this. Yeah. And, and like, and like, it's a great, it's like, it's just a great example of just like, yeah. I mean, using that piece of gear as like your excuse for not starting the record. And like, that's a real thing. We've all been there. I've been there, you know, um, you know, I so I I I found myself recently, you know, speaking of gear, I, I found myself like, you know, being like, Okay, this I have enough now to make the kind of record I wanna make and and I think that's an important kind of milestone to hit. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I've said to myself, I don't wanna get any new gear and that includes you know, plugins or whatever, because I I don't wanna distract myself with having to learn that piece of gear, just because I want to be able to work on this, you know, project or this yeah. thing. That's yeah, I was just going to ask too. if
2: you had any advice to get past, past that, like that trap we were just talking about. And I think that's a good that's a good place to start. Like, just if you have a full case that's you know mm-hmm. six U, mm-hmm. if you're if you're a modular artist, you have enough. If you have a DAW yeah. and uh, a MIDI controller, and you like using soft synths. You have enough, you know, like yeah. there's like that's a and, and it's funny it's it, this has come up so many times too, but like really, like the as you gain more experience and I've talked to more and more experienced people, the smaller their rigs get,
0: yeah, typically, you know, that's like true,
2: I've got three modular cases, but i usually- i i only use one at a time, right, you know, like yeah. depending on what I'm doing um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like. So speaking of, because I think mm-hmm. God, I want to see how far we're into this. I I have a feeling we're deeper than we think. Holy shit! Yeah, forty three <laughs> minutes. That's yeah. great. Yeah. But I want to get to your kind of sure. like your setup and your workflow with the actual yeah. gear you, you do you like. So say you were going to make a track today,
0: mm-hmm.
2: walk us through that. Like w- with the gear and how how would you do that? Because I'm really con- I'm really curious about your process.
1: So I would be. Let's just say okay, as a good example, like so. I just I I got um like my last piece of gear i got was um was synth wise was the ob6 so um so i would i would say um i would start just i'd pull up you know start messing around get some patches going put it through some effects and 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 just play just play stuff and then and then once a good idea kind of oh that sounds cool like let, let me so I rec- I record that fast, and and this this goes with you know when when I'm patching um, as well, and it's it's only the modular case, and um, it's as soon as I get an idea, I like to just get it in the get it in the computer, get it in the mm-hmm. DIW, um, and um, and then I'll take that idea and either if I'm feeling inspired that day, I'll just go straight into that, or I think what is has proved to be a little bit more productive is that I have this folder that I take these ideas and I put them into, and they're very labeled. They're like, you know, um, E minor, uh, OB six loop. And then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll put them in that folder and then I'll, I'll either go back to, to messing around and sketching things and maybe just do that all day and just go th- um, through these folders and put everything that I make that day into these folders. And then maybe the next day, if I don't feel like firing up hardware, I'll start with a loop or something from that folder that I made the day before. And then I'll build up this this thing, this track, this piece, this beat. And then from there, um, I'll uh, add some more to it. You know, track some more um, on, on the modular or... Or other hardware, and then just kind of keep adding to that, and then uh, so basically those those loops and stuff that I'm making on my own, or sometimes are samples, or one shots, or just or drones. It kind of like serves as my springboard. From okay. like, there's never ever a day here that I'm that I sit down and I'm like, what the fuck do I want to make today? Because it's all it's all. I have a folder of just stuff that like in probably in this lifetime, I can't get through each one (laughs) to make, to make something. But that little piece, that's always seems how the workflow starts. And then man, making, doing these videos that I make on Instagram, it's kind of like, it's almost like these little assignments for myself of like, I want to, I want to make this little piece that ends up being, you know, 30 seconds, but so many of those become full tracks. So it's kind of like I I make this idea, this this thirty second idea, and then marry it to some visuals. But then that idea gets put in a folder, and then I'll I'll you know be scrolling back through in, in a month and be like, oh that's cool. Let me pull that out, and then I'll just work on it fu- uh, further. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, it totally the...
2: does. and and and. Uh... Cause I was curious. That's why earlier when I wanted to mention, I want to talk about your process. I wanted sure. to see like the live versus the, 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 you know, recording at home, the production side, because it, your stuff sounds very much like the way you're talking about it. Like it yeah. sounds like you're surgically placing stuff, yeah. you know, like, so you're building stuff in what I imagine like Ableton or something. Yes. Just okay. And, and so like, are you like doing a lot of like automation within like DAWs and of effects and LFOs and stuff, or is that, or do you kind of use the, I imagine it's a bit of both, but use the DAW as more of just like, this is where you put all the stuff, but I'm I'm doing most of the, the processing and, and automation and stuff out, outside with, with external gear.
1: Bo- uh, both, you know, because I like to, I like to sometimes when I'm playing it in, um, and bouncing stuff. I I print a lot of stuff really fast. So even Mm -hmm. if I have MIDI, um, there's a few synths in this room, and and, and if if I have MIDI going to one of them, I like to get it in as audio really fast and Mm -hmm. just kind of commit it and move on. And when I'm printing it, I'll do moves on the synth, um, because nothing will replace that human element and Mm -hmm. just stuff not being perfect and everything. Um, So I'll get that, and then I'll do maybe some more in the diw as the process goes and then when i'm doing a mixing pass i'll do more but that's more of like you know um very very small detail kind of stuff okay um but yeah it's it's interesting because there is a distinction between the like the the stuff that ends up on my records and the modular patches that i do because though like so about um, somewhere in the middle of the pandemic, when when you live when everyone was live streaming stuff, I was like, okay, cool. Let me, I I I know, like I've done a few of these, and I know that the world's going to open up again soon, and I want to be able to do a live set, but how? Because I just uh, like describe this process to you. That's yeah. like so crazy in detail, uh-huh. and I and I understand that like my the records and the, like the modular patches are almost two different animals. Mm-hmm. So I've been really trying and experimenting on ways to make those a little bit more close together. Um, and there's tons of modular on the records. It's just put into the DIW and messed with. and and um, But then if you watch some of the stuff I have on YouTube, which is just straight-up modular performance videos, those are obviously not going to be as detailed as as, as the records because those are... are you know there's a lot of prep and a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of work goes into that but but I'm trying to get those things closer and what you said before about kind of minimizing things the same thing I just kind of took the big case went to a smaller case went to um just a stereo out <laughs> Which yeah. is like you know, <laughs> like with what
2: you just described it's very different. It's yeah, like
1: com- completely terrifying. Yeah, because yeah. you know because 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 before I'd have you know I'd go th- expert sleepers into Ableton with like four or five channels, yeah. And then I would be able to tweak stuff. And then I remember just getting the Intelij 7 u and just being the two at the you know the stereo I'd be like all right here we go you know this uh-huh, is kind uh-huh. of like. Um, so in preparation for, you know, doing some live stuff and and like that's kind of been my focus over the last at least month of like, OK, how do I do this in one case and how mm-hmm. do I do this and and how. But then again, how do I make the two things kind of feel a little bit more? I, I wouldn't say they're not cohesive, because if, if 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 one likes a song that's on that I have put out. They'll probably like a, a live patch that I have up on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind yeah. of like the same idea, but but I want to make those two things a little bit more um uh, in line with one another and kind yeah. of in, in, but more more in terms of not final outcome, more in terms of process. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is confusing the question or no, no, <laughs> it, it makes
2: sense. I think the most confusing part about it is figuring out a way to bridge bridge that gap yeah. because you know mm-hmm. like before i got into modular i made music in the same way that you just described except yeah. except you know rather than making loops on synths i was just running shitty drum drum machines through really aggressive fuzz glitchy oh. pedals and then i would awesome. loop that and then i would spend most of my time creating i was the same way very fast with the actual recording of the, the audio in and yeah. then all, most of my time i'd spend in the box um yeah And that was the plan for modular. I was like, Mm. oh, if I could get these cool sounds out of shitty drum machines and fuzz pedals, imagine what I could do with modular. And then I just dove in to modular and I haven't really gone back to that old way. I'm getting more and more curious about trying to go back to that older way, but then it brings up that question of how do I perform this live? And hopefully, here we go, I may have just fallen into the trap, but hopefully (laughs) the answer is the MPC-1 that I just got.
1: <laughs> well, dude, it's funny you say that, and it's funny we're talking about this because I, I too have, have, um, I got, so I got an OctaTrack. I okay. got an OctaTrack because I had the hunch, I'm like, probably for the same exact reason that you bought the MPC one, is like, will this make my life, will this make it a little bit just easier to do the live gig? And, and I mean, you, you just traveled across the country with your modular case, right? Yeah. Um, so that's also a factor too. It's like I, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to That's take... why that
2: Exactly. And so when I was out in New York, I saw somebody using the MPC 1 with a case about my size and I was like, that's man, that's a manageable amount of stuff cuz I put the MPC in my backpack and still carry my yeah. case. Cuz I've been doing live stuff, like I've been just trying to make 7 u work. And yeah, you can do that, but I can't do what
1: I want to do with that. Exactly.
2: So Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, that's that's um Man, that's that's you hit it on you hit the nail on the head with that because it's I, I had a seven U, and and I had it was I mean the mixer takes up like a quarter of that yeah right so <laughs> so it's 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 um and then so, I'm like all right I need another seven U and and I did and I had it and it and it felt good but I I said um man this is just going to be a pain in the ass to transport unless I'm mm-hmm. playing around the corner so. Right. Uh, and that lasted like literally just a few weeks. Yeah. And then and then I, I looked in to the Octatrack as ways that I could um I could kind of get not get rid of that's too harsh of a word, but but just kind of like be able to do more things with less space in, in the case. But at the same time what I'm discovering and I know like two percent of this piece of gear it's so deep and so heavy and i just got it like um but what i'm learning is that it's actually making it easier to do more things in the case on its own and and treat them as a separate thing because i know like the the basic things like sequencing and um and drum programming are covered by the octatrack and then it's all going through there as my mixer so it's kind of like uh I, I it's it's I don't know my point here, but it's it's becoming easier to do what I want to do in a live yeah. setting. But yeah. more importantly, I think it's going to be easier to to l- bridge the gap between the 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 records that I like to make with a lot of editing and processing in the DIW, and if I bring that to a live setting. I, it it could still hang without me having a lot lap, a laptop in front of me and i think totally. that's the end the end goal here <laughs> yeah
2: i yeah totally i think i think that's 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 right and um i don't know i i never had like a purist thing of like oh modular only um Same. but that's the way i've been operating and i think it's mainly because i wanted to just see how far i could get with this and i yeah, know sure. i know it's a lifetime i mean you listen to Todd Barton talk about it and he says he's still learning and that, you yeah. know, it's like, well, you seem like a master. When I listen to <laughs> right. you, yeah. you appear to be a master. <laughs> exactly. um, you know, there's just people who are like that. I've, I you know, I know a couple personally. In fact, I'm going to give out a shout out to dissonant from New York modular oh, awesome. society. Yeah. yeah. When I watched Incredible. him play, I was just like, Holy shit. This guy yeah. really knows what he's doing with modular stuff. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think I have it in me to get, to that point with just modular, you know? Like yeah. not to say that I couldn't, I don't have whatever it, it's, it would take for me, whatever ambition and right. time it would take for me to get to that level, I'm not gonna find that in this life, I don't think,
1: so. Interesting, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it comes down to the fact that it's, it's just more important to me to m- just make good, make the music I wanna make.
2: 100%, that's something that gets, th- lost I think a lot we forget especially in modular because we get so gear hungry and it's it's such a gear centric culture yeah it's like we're here to make music
1: right but not lose sight on so not lose sight on the fact that you know sure you could just you could move all the modular stuff aside and just put your laptop and and you Mm -hmm. could theoretically write you could do the same thing but it's like but then there's a and it's not just the tactile difference there's just something different about making music on hardware specifically modular that i'd like um because it's so temporary and and yeah. that yeah. is important to me and i think that sure we could just all go out with our laptops and and in a backpack and that would be our live show and that would be and that's cool too because there's plenty of dudes that do that and just and just crush it but i but i think that uh, you know I, I but at the same time i don't I, i'm not such a purist in that i i need to you know um just make music exclusively with what's in this case and yeah. and there's like look like Colin Benders like he's a like de facto like i i he's I, i'm the, i have another master yeah crazy like, <laughs> like and from scratch like yeah. just takes takes that like it starts like that's insane to me and i have tremendous respect for anyone that that does that but i think in the end it's like the music i want to make i I know what i want it to sound like and be presented like and i think that if if there's ways to make that a little bit easier for myself and also you know easier to transport (laughs) because then that's cool too you know so Mm -hmm. yeah
2: well i think this is a perfect place to uh speaking of you making music to yeah. bring up a, a patch challenge
1: suggestion, if you're into it, yeah, man. Yeah, all right. Do I do Let's, it like I? I we, you do can do it, it af, after
2: after okay. we're done. You can just take sure. what it take your time to do it, and then you can send sure. that over with your with the the audio side of your okay, of the cool. podcast. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds and good. and no rush. I've got next week's um, ready or already recorded. Cool. So if you could get it to me um, by midweek next week, that would be sure. awesome. Sounds great. Sounds um, great, but if not, like I. I really appreciate you taking the time, so I'm not going to hang with you about it.
1: Um, I love a deadline, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah.
2: So let's let's say by uh, Wednesday next week, if we can. Great. Absolutely, I'm going to set. Let's see, I'm going to set the mood to open because I feel like that that kind of feels like it's uh, maybe a theme of what we're talking about. You know, like don't. Don't put yourself into like, I need this piece of gear. Like be like, just be open with your process and and open to new ideas. So let's, let's see. Sometimes these words do not make sense. (laughs) Even better. Uh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) This, oh man, this is especially bad today. (laughs) I'm curious. I know they don't even like, they literally don't like accordion door vivo. I don't even know oh. what that means. All right. Uh, oh. What? I, I think we're, what about cracked arch?
1: Ooh, that's good. I like that How about,
2: a lot. Yeah. Cracked arch. That sounds kind of cool, right? Yeah, that sounds great. I, yeah. I could see, I could see that. I could see like in your style, like you have a definitely an aesthetic with like your album art. I could see like mm-hmm. a, a, like a black and white, like photo of like uh, arches in in, uh, in Utah or something like, but cracked and kind of looking a little satanic Crumbled. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. Fun. Well, yeah, this man. was, this has gone by so fast, which is always the yeah, marking of a great crazy. conversation. Um, yeah. I really appreciate your time. Man, it was Be- so much fun. Um, before we are done, is there anything you'd like to scream from the modular mountaintops? <sighs>
1: Man, stay in school. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know.
2: <laughs> I can't believe that's the first stay in school I've got. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't, I don't. Um,
1: no, man. Thank, Thanks. Um, yeah, thanks for, for having me and thanks to everyone for listening and, you know, for the support and everything. It's great. It's awesome, man. I'm All really, right. Yeah, where, where can people
2: yeah, go to check out your stuff?
1: Snakes um, uh Russia dot com leads to uh, Bandcamp. And and then I'm very active on Instagram. So this Instagram slash Snakes of Russia, and yeah, between those two things, that's pretty much you know. There's uh, tunes up on Spotify as well, and all the Apple Music and stuff. Yeah, pretty much just. Uh, it used to be that if you Google Snakes of Russia, you would have some gnarly snakes of, of in, <laughs> in, in in Russia. But now now, uh, it, it, it I, I'm the SEO game. It's I was going to say, kind, you, yeah, you tackle yeah. the SEO, nice. <laughs> right, without, I, yeah, well, I'm very lucky. If there's anything anything I've accomplished through all of this, it's that, yeah, like, I've I, the SEO is a little bit better, but, yeah, it was a little <laughs> bit more challenging to find because people would come up with these, you know, Cobras from Ukraine, but, um, you know, <laughs> it was just, yeah, man. So Dude, yeah.
2: how, how pissed would you be if somebody started a project called Cobras of Ukraine and they made music <laughs> that sounded like yours, but it was just, like, a shitty version of it? <laughs>
1: I'd probably be it would probably be it would be funny to me you know what I mean it would probably be you know because then we'd have to, we'd have to do a track together right you yeah. Know, yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah that would be yeah. so
2: fucking confusing <laughs> Yeah. all right let's check out Cracked Arch from Snakes of Russia All right, that's our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to Joseph for his time. What a chat that was. Go check out Snakes of Russia on Bandcamp. Don't forget to head over to Patchworks.com for all of your synthesizer needs. Um, Schlappy Engineering's got that new boundary module out today. And of course, the Euro Bureau has been released by Empress Effects. And uh, don't forget, if you pick up a Euro Bureau from Empress because you heard about it here on Podmod, when you fill out that warranty card there's a section to tell empress where you heard about it um and it would help us both out if you did that um i cannot wait until next week i get to tell you about uh something that i've been keeping a secret for a long time and we have an like a phenomenal guest they're all great Next week says somebody I've been wanting to talk to for a long time And it's worked out um, What I mean is it, it worked out perfectly timing wise And uh, you'll know why that is Next week um, What else is there to say I think uh, if you want to help out on Patreon You want to help me turn this in To not only a audio podcast But a video podcast uh, Head over to patreon.com Forward slash podular modcast I think that's about it Um, the music that I played in the intro and what you hear right now are all tracks from my album that I created uh before I got into modular. It's called Terminal Hymns. Um and I I don't know why I'm playing it lately on the show. Mostly because it's on my uh my drive and you know. But I'm happy to play your music. If you want me to use your music as a bed for intros and outros, send me an email and say, Hey, play some of my music uh it's just when i'm editing these it's really easy to just go and grab stuff that's already on my hard drive um but yeah i hope you enjoy this let's end today's episode with the rest of this track called liar's lament on terminal hymns by me